chances. Hello again. Welcome, everybody, to the Film Effect Podcast. We take all things film to the full effect. I'm Ed, and with me is my cinematic life mate, Sean. Good morning, Film Effect. And it doesn't matter. This is your first or 37th time listening. We hope all is well and that you're ready to be entertained and somewhat educated. But if it's your first time with us and you happen to be a fellow cinephile or just a casual fan of film in general, then you've 100% come to the right place. We do deep dives and touch lives each and every single week, focusing on a particular film each episode in an effort to give it the full film effect treatment. But before we declare war on those damn dirty apes, I want to let you know that our ever-growing collection of previous episodes can be found on our website at podpage.com slash the-film-effect-podcast, as well as all major platforms direct link in the episode notes. Speaking of platforms, you can help the show tremendously by using Apple Podcasts to leave a five-star rating and review. Today, actually, we announced our next giveaway on Twitter, and it pertains to this very subject. So through October 20th, all you guys got to do, listen to the episode, or don't, just come for the review. Just drop a review. And care does it in our rating, obviously. It doesn't matter if it's a one-star, three-star, five-star would be great, but it doesn't matter. Just give us your honest honest take on the show or what you just heard and that's it that's all you have to do you're automatically answered that doing that and uh i will announce the winner october 21st and uh coinciding with our recent episode of the thing i'm giving away a 4k digital copy of the movie Woo-hoo! so yeah man so guys gals out there listening leave us a review and a rating and uh call them october 21st uh it might pay off so, uh, in the meantime, Sean, I'm sure the average listener knows where we're going with this next bit, but can you let our newer listeners know what those uh, Facebook and Instagram handles are? Uh, you want me or you want Al? I want you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pacino's <laughs> in the bathroom anyway. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Film Effect Podcast. 
right. And how about that Twitter handle where every day is one big party? That's going to be at Film Effect Pod. And finally, they say at least 15% of each show's fan base still utilizes Hotmail for the up and up. So <laughs> how about sharing our email address for those poor chaps? The Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. All right. So last week, we hands down had the best week ever in terms of numbers. I'm, I'm not going to get into details here, but I just I'm blown away. I'm blown away. Thank you to everyone who has listened to, you know, again, like, like, like I said before, whether it's your first time or 182nd time, it doesn't matter. Thank you sincerely because um, you definitely helped contribute to that, you know, achievement. It, it's, it's a pretty big milestone for us. You know, we just, uh, I know we say this a lot, but just keep getting more and more and more with each and every episode. But last week, holy shit, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the fact that we put out four episodes or just the fact that, I don't know, I feel like more and more people are tuning in and uh, interacting. It's it's great. But yeah, last week, best week ever, hands down. I mean, shit, we did give them a lot to listen to. You and I were hanging out for a little bit Saturday night looking at those numbers. I was pretty flabbergasted myself. Yeah, I mean, look, they're not all going to be winners, but we, had, we, we commit and we were committing to the whole franchise. And so we... I guess we apologize for curse and resurrection, but uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. You know, at least we were hey, honest we, about the, the poly- We were the, we were the ones that had to sit through the damn thing and then and then relive it days later. So it's very true. It's very very true. <laughs> so I, I I don't think we have anything to apologize for. I think we've I think we've um I think we've uh you know uh, done our uh, done our penance. If yeah, you will, yeah, yeah, when it comes right. to those fucking movies, you're right. You're right. Um, just speaking of Saturday night, something I touched upon, you know, when we were talking and stuff and hanging out, I mentioned I don't know if it's the fact that I've just been so overworked and I'm tired, or if it's the fact that just movie theaters, man, they're more and more comfortable. It's that experience because, like I said, you know, I tried to see that movie Cop Shop uh, Friday and Saturday. Um, I didn't tell you about my Saturday experience. I was going to yeah. say you dropped me off. You you wanted me to go with you. You know, Mandy wasn't feeling well. I didn't want to leave her. I didn't want to leave her home alone too much longer. And I opted out. Um, and, but I know you were on, we were on the way back from the record shop and you had bought a ticket. Did you make it through this time? Similar results. <laughs> Jesus, maybe that's because they got you. Is it because they got them damn bark loungers in there? I haven't been there since they did it all It is, that. dude. Once I hit that recline button, it's like I'm just, it's it's snuggle time, you know? Mm. But yeah, like yeah. Friday night, uh, I went and saw the, the new Gerard Butler uh, and Frank Grillo film from Joe Carnahan, uh, Cop Shop. And I was telling Sean about five minutes into the movie, I was out. I did not wake up until the end credits started to kick in. Um, so I went back Saturday night because I really didn't have that much sleep because I was pushing to get Resurrection out Friday morning. So, you know, admittedly, I didn't really have that much sleep going in me. But then Saturday, I was like, okay, I got more sleep last night. I'm hanging out with Sean. I'm awake. I can do this. Nah, nah, nah. I got about a half hour into it. And then um, this time, I fell asleep through the credits. I woke up and the whole theater was just lit up. Like, it, the theater was, <laughs> at that now, point, it was like now, midnight. Now for the now for the record, let's let's clarify our record setting um, episode uh, for 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 Friday because we literally recorded, yeah, you edited, right. and had posted. You would, like that was all done within exactly twelve hours flat. 
We recorded Resurrection Thursday night. We recorded it. Like 7 o'clock Thursday night. You had it up by 7.30 Friday morning. We recorded it Thursday night, and then when we were done, you went to bed. I stayed up and edited the damn thing until about 3 a.m. and had to wake up at 5.30. Doesn't matter. The, 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 the turnaround of the turnout for the episode i'm happy with it it was worth it i feel so um, <laughs> i was tired to say the least friday night <laughs> but i mean let's we, the movie wasn't a good idea no no but i i like to think we set some sort of you know uh, maybe not the record but i mean it's that that's commendable wouldn't you say i mean christ i know there are a bunch of podcasts especially ones that turn out episodes daily that do that you know okay. i can only think that but it's still you know it's a personal achievement i'm i'm proud of myself and um yeah like you don't see like josh doing 24-hour turnarounds on his episodes you know yeah. <laughs> love you josh um but yeah, yeah when's yeah. a running scared episode <laughs> uh, so I had the situation uh, Friday at work I was putting um, back, back, back to school items No I'm not going to talk about that one This is a different oh, one not, I'm going to tell you about no, 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 no. You're, not, you're not talking about Togate? No 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 no. no. Promise you wouldn't bring the bat- Promise you wouldn't bring that up um, <laughs> I, I never I, I never I, I never ate such a deal Alright so listen I went so I was taking basically all the items out of back to school, out of the um, department that they're in, the seasonal department, and then putting them in the clearance, more or less. Right. And one of the items is like this whole collection of, um, they're not lunch boxes, they're like pencil cases, the plastic yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, the little like little snap cover things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I get you. Yeah, they're all lenticular unicorns. Ooh, you must have loved that lenticular shit. I saw that. I put my hands all around one, not knowing it was lenticular, and I dropped that thing. Like, you would have thought I was holding on to, like, what do I hate? Spiders. And I just dropped those. Let's, 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 because I don't think we've ever brought this up before. Let's, let's cue the listeners in. So, Ed's got this thing with those lenticular covers and i'm sure if you guys don't know what a lenticular cover is usually they're like it's slip 3D, covers yeah. on a dvd and like it's almost like 3d you angle it a certain way it, it changes the image so for years and i still do this to this day and he still hates it but um <laughs> i used to hang on to these things and i would call them lenticular mitts and I would slide these DVD sleeves over my hands and chase Ed around my apartment, just rubbing the little grooves together like a pair of corduroy pants, just going. And this guy would just bring the mitts up. Okay. The lenticular mitts. I thought you were going to talk about lenticular in general. Just lenticular, but I'm talking about your overall like basic fear of lenticular covers. You just got this feeling of it's like me it's like me and fucking emery boards or Rankin yeah. bass holiday specials i can't deal with those and you guys fuck with me with them all the time so i didn't I tell you we're covering those in october all right in December. Uh, fuck that noise i'm sitting them out mandy will take my place i'm not watching those Rankin bass things dude you can't pay me enough 
Um, but yeah, I would slide these these DVD slipcovers over my hands and chase Ed all through the apartment, just rubbing my hands together, making them make noise. And he he would jump up out of his seat, run down the hallway, run into the kitchen. You know, eventually, I, you know, I would I would I would relent after a few seconds. But I'll be damned if it if it wasn't funny in a group of people who had never seen it before. <laughs> I, I, I so, don't know what it is. It's just the dude, worst. It's it's I've not, I get it. I get it, dude. I get I it. Like like, you, like, like you can watch, you know, Burger Meister, Meister Burger, and Frosty. This, I mean, uh, 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 you know, Santa Claus coming to town all day long. I can't look at that shit for a split second without getting a fucking willy. So I get it. You know, they fuck with me just the way those things fuck with you. So you were actually putting these things away, and you accidentally touched something particular. Did you drop it? What did you do? No, I had Ronnie, my associate, do it. <laughs> You handed, putting the things away? No. You handed all the lenticular work off to your subordinate. Yeah, I, I moved on the Halloween items. <laughs> it's funny. All right. Um, let's do shout outs. Shout out to his family. All right, what we got this week, or this episode, might I add, um, should I say. Let's see, Josh, at your next favorite movie for joining us with our h2o episode and helping bring a new audience to the show hopefully they uh enjoy this enough to come back for more uh best film ever for their constant love and support we love those guys and liam ellie georgia and sometimes ethan they're the best uh film vloggers the and nerds spy hards and paul and griff all quality shows that deserve your attention if they haven't had it already uh, M at Verbal Diorama, a show with the catchiest damn theme song that I promise will be stuck in your head for days after hearing it. Julian, it goes down to the PM, an important show that I feel more should be listening to. Not only is she a down to earth host and the nicest soul in the, uh, in the world, but she tackles real issues and has the honest conversations about them. So please check her show out again. It's called It Goes Down to the PM. And finally, Backlook Cinema. We mentioned all these shows for a reason. Uh, currently charting just outside the Apple Podcast Top 200 for the uh, film reviews category in the U.S., Japan, and Thailand. We're number seven. No, number 27 in Romania. And get the current events. Uh, Halloween Kills trailer. What'd you think? Oh, the new one? Yeah, the one from today. Yeah, I wasn't gonna watch it, but uh um, yeah. I, I, I could I, 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 I couldn't help myself. I, I couldn't help myself. Um, I saw I saw an article said, you know, tons of new footage and I, and I know it's not like what can you spoil out of a Halloween movie for me? You're not gonna give me away the ending. You're just gonna show me more brutal kills to look forward to. So naturally I read that thing on the shitter as soon as as soon as I flushed, I came out and fired up YouTube on the TV, man. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Man. Now I have a question for you. Though. Um yeah. obviously they're calling back to you know Tommy Doyle, Lindsay Wallace. Um, and it's and it's kind of you know touched upon in the trailer that these are all you know, residents of Haddonfield that we knew from back they're in the like, city. They're like the survivors of Michael. Right. Like some, yeah, they're, they're survivors of the original, you know, babysitter murders from 78. Um, who is the dude that's got kind of like the long, like, like surfer dude hair? Who is that supposed to be? That's you know Lonnie. That's Lonnie. That's Lonnie. who that's supposed to be. And yeah. that's the same kid, right? Didn't you tell me it's the same actor? 
No, no, no. They, oh, they it's actually, not? Just like Anthony Michael Hall is playing Tommy Doyle, they actually right. hired an actor to play Ronnie. It's not, right. yeah, it's not the original actor who's... um. I think it's Warlock's son who plays uh, who plays Lonnie. Uh, yeah, you know what I, th- I, I think you're right. Lonnie, Billy. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Billy, Billy, Billy Warlock was in part two. He was a boombox boy. Never mind. I don't know who plays Lonnie in the first one, but that's, they, that's who that's bad. supposed to be. Is is yes, Lonnie? That's get your Lonnie. Ass, that's Lonnie. Get your ass away from there. Because his son is uh, uh, Strode's granddaughter's boyfriend from the first oh film. really okay yeah because okay. they, they talk yeah. about that in the first one they make they reference lonnie at the dinner table when he that's true that's having true. dinner with, with her family i remember that i remember that like, like, yeah mandy and i watched that shortly i, I want to say earlier in the year right before you you know right before you officially asked me to join on board with film effect her and i just sat down and revisited it um so i've been holding off naturally on watching it again until we get to it in the show um but i i, I forgot that lonnie was that lonnie was brought up um but yeah the, uh, the, the trailer is more or less what we've, what we've gotten already with the first two um and, but it it does show some more footage and there's like like that whole yeah game. but it's more or less like different angles and different shots from like scenes that we've seen from different like here's a note here's one like the the scene we see in the trailer where he kills the orderly and his like it's lenny clark is what i was telling you earlier oh yeah it was lenny clark well apparently what i gathered off of this trailer is that he's they're actually living in the old myers house yeah so oh, that was lenny clark answering the door yeah he's the oh one wow gets, dude dude has he, he breaks through the window and grabs yeah. his head yeah yeah that's, that is, Lon, that's okay. lenny clark yeah lenny lost some weight man oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely so um yeah it's coming up october 15th yeah that's um, that's gonna be fun now um what i forgot um until reading the article before you know pressing play on the trailer today but it makes sense because it didn't technically become canon until halloween 2 is like this new david gordon green danny mcbride iteration doesn't recognize laurie strode as michael's biological sister am i correct Correct. with that Correct. It's like it's just like she's just the last one who survived there's the babysitter murder. There's a line in the first film where they bring it, uh, some kid brings it up and his and her granddaughter is like, "No, that's just a rumor someone made up to make mm. themselves feel better." Okay, okay, yeah. Now that you mention it, I, I I do remember that. But again, I'm I'm trying to stay removed from that film until we cover it in a couple of weeks. So, and I've only gotcha. seen literally. I've only I've only watched it. I think maybe this last time was maybe my third at most. Maybe it's only my second. I think I've only seen oh. it two, three times maximum. I've watched it about six or seven times. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and it's not it's it's not for you know for lack of love. I dig it. Believe me, you know I, I really dig what you know what what Green and McBride are bringing. Um, yeah, I've got a lot to say about that film. I'm looking forward to doing that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's that, those those going to be those going to be fun. Though. I mean, it's it's kicking off the horathon so literally yeah. the first film we're doing is that uh i wanted to talk about the plane ride from hell yeah man um i have a few things to say so i want i want to take a few minutes i hope you don't mind uh don't, I, it's, it's, it's the audience today mind do you mind right, audience okay. um go i didn't hear anybody say anything so cool let's do it all right cool go for it <laughs> um no man um yeah it was <laughs> I, wow yeah i I was I was shocked, but I wasn't because of, I mean, yeah, that that type of debaucherous behavior is 
uncalled for even for like high schoolers but you know in the grand scheme of things these are you know heavily medicated heavily entitled uh full of adrenaline mm-hmm. Uh, you know, macho alpha men, and then you trapped. I didn't. I didn't realize they were stuck on that tarmac for seven fucking hours before they got to take off. They went through three goddamn drink carts mm-hmm. before they even lifted the, the the wheels. Now, what the episode either neglects to tell people or doesn't really have the time because a lot happened on that plane. Are I don't think they talked about all the people who were on board. Like I never once heard Triple H or Undertaker either. They were right. both on there. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even know. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know Scott Hall was on until they brought him up at the very end when they're when they're, when they're disembarking the plane. I'm like, wait a minute. And that's right. That was like the end of Razor Ramon was pretty much then. Like they he didn't get brought up until the very you know until they talk about the plane touching down in Connecticut. So yeah, I I was curious as to who else was on board that flight. So and, um, I, and I know you can shed the light. There's. <laughs> They totally just neglected to bring up the other big story that happened on that plane. And that's um, Vince and Kurt Angle famously got into a one-on-one wrestling match together, like aren't like old school, like Matt wrestling. They like sparred together and shit on the plane. Oh, Vince really? Like while Kurt. they were while they were well, while they were killing time on the tarmac, or while they were no, in, in the on the plane on the plane, they famously well, they, got so, into a big wrestling match together, like actual like floor, like you know, like Olympic style, like like Angle was all about. Um, and I never heard. I've heard the Brock and Kurt Hennig story. I, I yeah, never so like he, yeah, like he smashes the shaving cream on his head and they get slammed at the emergency door at thirty thousand mm-hmm. feet and shit. Yeah, I, I've I'd even heard about the flare story before. I'm surprised that that's like now just now being brought up like it's something that no one's ever heard before because I, I knew about that. I mean, I knew about the only the stuff I didn't know about. I didn't know about Dustin Rhodes serenading his ex-wife on the plane when he was drunk and couldn't hold himself up and he was spitting in the back of the, the, the seat. Uh, yeah, he was spitting like he was spit spit like chewing tobacco and then it ended yeah, a pouch. Yeah. Um you know, I, I, it's just, here's what, here's my thing on it. This is my, after I got done watching, I've watched it twice. And the fact that the first time watching it, I said, okay, I understand. And rightfully so, like everyone's after Ric Flair right now about this story. I mean, I, like, honestly, that happened 20 years ago and people are just not hearing about it for whatever reason I knew about it. And now it's being brought to light and everyone's after him and I get it. You know, I, I, I always support the victims and that was a very detailed story about the account and everything. And they actually had the woman, I think her name was Holly or Heidi. One of the two. Yeah. She, she was like, like British um, in New Zealand yeah. or, or, or Kiwi or something. She was recounting, you know, thing. And, and she even, and I, she, I, I, she didn't I, think he was going to rape her, but he was just behaving very, yeah. very inappropriately. He overpowered her, and yeah, and it's buck naked under his robe, yeah, <laughs> swing, swinging now, his hammer around. Now, Justin, not just incredible. The um, Tommy Dreamer got suspended indefinitely from Impact Wrestling for his comments on the affair, how he was talking about Flair and kind of defending him, but then he was also making comments saying, you know, if it was today, it'd be one thousand percent inappropriate, you know, um. I got an opinion yeah, on that. I, I, I tell you what I think. Got I, I don't want to comment too much on it, but it, it's 
some of the stuff they said was wrong, but I, I think suspending him indefinitely was just kind of pushing it, especially I'm, when, hold on, especially okay. when you have RVD saying equal to, if not worse shit about the ordeal. And I'm not hearing about him getting suspended from AEW or wherever the hell he's wrestling now. I, 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 I to me, I felt like RVD's comments on the ordeal were just as, you know, uh, insensitive as dreamers. And- I'm telling you, I'll, I'll tell you what put the nail in dreamers coffin is that comedy makes at the end about that, that young, you know, British lady accepting the settlement because he's very blase about it. He's like, if you wanted to speak up, maybe you shouldn't have took the money. And that's what fucking nailed it for yeah, him. I, I that's, that that's, that's why he's, that's why he's in the crosshairs. That is why, you know, he's getting his, you know, fuzzy beanbag tacked to the fucking wall right now you know um i was surprised to find out how many you know firings came out of it but sure enough when you look back at the timeline like literally that was the end of the razor ramon character in wwf and he reinvented himself no razor ramon had been gone for six years before that when he came back in 2000 this this was in 2002 Okay, that's right. That's right. They, he they, came back. He tried he to came recover. back as Scott Hall. He never came right. back as Razor Ramon. Right, but he still yeah, had his know. fucking demons. Like I remember watching that guy wrestle live, yeah. and he had to hold himself up by the ropes, dude. He he's still bad. fighting. You know, he's looks. I guess he looks good, but he's looked good before. You know, I hope he's good, but I've seen him good and then go back. It's Scott Hall. It's 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 ups and downs with that gentleman. Yeah, um, and I just wish I hope hope for the best with him. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, so that's 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 all I wanted to say about the plane ride from hell. If if you've seen it, um, you know. If you haven't, it's on Vice. It's on YouTube. They have the whole episode up on their channel. Um, go check it out. If you got forty five minutes to kill. Um, it's some yeah. Pretty, one, uh, one 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 interesting real, stuff. <clears throat> real quick, one other thing I want to bring up is like what I liked is how at the end the recap and like all the fines and penalties that came down, and the interviewer asked Jr. He's like, and, and Jr. is like literally honest, but he, he's caught on the spot, but he's honest. We're like, well, what about Flair? And Jr. is like, good question. Guess he's a made man. Nothing ever happened to him. You know, he makes a comment like this guy was, you know, I was not getting suspended. What the fuck? Right. And, and, and that was the other thing I found. I was like, all this shit was going on. They're only separated by a curtain, but Vincent, you know, Vincent standing up the police. He just like, you know, he's sitting next to, he's sitting next to his wife telling JR to put his cowboy hat on to go back there and handle it. And JR was about the only one that could wrangle these motherfuckers in line anyway. Mm hmm. Yeah, so that was uh, I was you know yeah I was uh, I was surprised I never heard that uh, that story before but then once I found out they were sitting there for seven hours before they took off I'm like oh this is not going to end well no it's not <laughs> they haven't even lifted wheels yet and I'm like oh Jesus Christ they're on their second drink card already <laughs> all right let's do some episodic recommends what would you get for a six year old boy who chronically wets his bed since we're doing more than weekly episodes lately um i'll go first because i've got to get i'm going to put one out there that i don't know maybe you've even never seen before where are you at on the 1980 film hopscotch uh that's it that's that uh walter Matthau like kind of uh spy caper movie right yes sir i dude i i've i haven't seen this since i was a kid so i can't really speak on it where did you watch it i've been wanting to watch it again 
Criterion, baby. Oh, okay. You got it? Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've not seen that since I was way too young to even understand it. But I, I mean, I always remembered it. I knew of it. And Chris, we talked about uh Howe back on the thing when I was talking about, you know, the, the movie he did with Robin Williams, Survivors. Um, so yeah, no, I I I I I, I can't truly speak on it because I haven't seen it since I was young. I don't remember anything other than okay. Walter Mathal being like a CIA analyst or something on the run. Yeah, it's Walter Mathal, Ned Beatty, and Sam Waterston. Uh, it's about Walter Mathal's character as a former CIA member trying to uh, expose his former boss who's played by Ned Beatty. Um, very young Sam Waterston, might I add. And um, yeah, it's 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 funny. It's serious. Um, it's 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 all in all a really good movie. And um uh, I just think more people should check it out. I honestly never heard of the film before, and then I was just looking around for something different, something uh, yeah, just something different. And I saw Dude, that co- the cover box stood out to me, and I'm like, well, what's this? And I looked in the back of the box, and it's kind of a blind buy for me. But uh, I would I've, have- now, I've now watched it three times, and um, yeah, oh wow, it. man, I'm I'm envious. I would have snatched it up just based on you know childhood memories. I would lo- I would love. You know, to gleam your copy for you know for a weekend just to just to catch up on it, only because I've I've wanted to revisit it again, but never had the opportunity. I just I like when Mathau kind of plays against type. I think my yeah, favorite yeah. I think my favorite Walter Mathau role. While we're in it, I'm going to make this one of my recommends because I'm going to give you another one too. Um, is hands down taking it to Pelham one two three with with Mathau and uh robert shaw and jerry stiller like it's math out playing against type you're used to him you know being broad comedy but he's still able to deliver like a you know a dramatic performance and engage you with almost like an action thriller type feel so i would i would love the opportunity to revisit hot scotch even if you just bring it over we'll watch it together i would love to uh we'll do it soon yeah cool but what's the other one Okay, so uh, this is probably going to take the listeners by surprise. I deliberately have kept it from you because I wanted to share it on the air. Man, I fucking had so much fun watching Playing With Fire. Playing With Fire. The John Cena flick with Leguizamo and Keegan-Michael Key were the smoke jumpers. Do you know what I'm talking what about? The fuck, the kids' movie. Oh, I was, I pissed my pants. That, at that yes, are you yes. are you both fucking with me right now? No, no. You, you you don't know this film, man. It's a kids' movie, dude. I, no, that's, it's not. That's 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 exactly how I felt. I it's swear a to God, kids' movie. No, dude, it's have not. you watched it? Have you seen it? Obviously, I've never seen it because it's a fucking kids' movie. No, it is. It is not, dude. Okay, so give me a minute to expand on this because I felt the same Please way, and do. I. I, okay, so I felt the same way. I was like, watch the trailer. I'm like, eh, this is hokey, even though I'm a big like Rosamo fan. And Keegan Michael Key makes me laugh. It did. It was a Nickelodeon movie. It felt like a kid's movie. It and is then, a kid's um, movie. What the hell? Which, Both hold, of you right now are trying to tell me differently. Go just, on. I'll let you finish. Go on. It, just hold all questions. Give me two fucking minutes and I'll sell you on it. Okay, so yes, I I drug my feet because it was marketed that way as a Nickelodeon flick, right? And then uh, about a week or so ago, um, I was up, Mandy's laying down, and I, 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 I was looking for something new to watch. So I, I started watching it on 
Um, it was it's on Paramount Plus. So I logged into your Paramount. I started watching it. I'm not even five minutes in, and I have already laughed about eight or nine times. And I had to turn it off. I'm like, I have got to share this with the old lady. I think there's something special here. Ed, I have not laughed this much at a an unsung title if you will since the goods so it and i liken it and maybe made a good point it's it's like watching it's it's like finding the adult humor in a kids oriented cartoon because yes it's a pg rated film and they take the jokes just far enough but i kid you not man this cost one time the, yeah there's it there's it's it is it is fully clean humor but it is fucking hysterical like we were both in tears i swear to christ i have not laughed this much at a movie i've been so surprised by a title that caught me off guard since 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 watching the goods and i've always thought the goods was going to be you know straight to video bullshit movie starring jeremy piven and it really tickled my funny bone yeah so put all those nickelodeon kids movies things aside there is it is fucking hysterical there's some great set pieces and just the just the the, the dialogue like the jokes that are being delivered even cena delivers but I'm, oh my God, no, it is so fucking funny, man. And you and Mads will definitely get a kick out of watching it. But again, it's like when you watch an episode of SpongeBob, you know, and especially a couple of years ago when Maddie was younger, she would laugh at something and you would laugh at the adult undertone that was laid there for the grownups that are watching it with their kids. So go into it looking like that. But yes, this movie is downright fucking gut busting. Playing with fire, I was pleasantly surprised by that film. It was it, yes, it's a Nickelodeon movie, yes, it's marketed as a kids movie, but it's it's not. There's something there for everybody. It's good, clean, fun, and it is just it's it's just funny. I can't tell you how funny it is. I mean, I must have laughed two hundred times in ninety minutes. It is just trust me. Do yourself a favor and give it a run. Is yeah, this oh, real life? I'm telling you, bro. I know. I'm surprised. I told you you're going to be shocked at this. I have I, so many questions. Like number one, <laughs> off the top of my mind, like what possessed you to begin with? I feel like you guys are fucking with me right now. I'm going to no. go and watch this film. No, and you guys are both going to come out and laugh no. and be like, no. "What the fuck? You thought no. we were serious? Why would no, you what do if that?" No, what it, what it was, I was looking for something like I was going through some shit. Like I needed to get my mind off of some, you know, like some John Cena kids movie. It's right, exactly. And I'm like, okay, so let me just throw this on as a distraction. It's it's light. It's not, you know, it, it's not going to draw me into nothing too heavy. Um, you know, if nothing else, I can turn it off, or you know, it's a good way to waste ninety minutes. But. I literally had to stop it within five minutes because I felt the need to share with my old lady. And I kid you not, dude, it's almost a laugh a minute. Yeah, there's some goofy over-the-top set pieces, some of which are given away in the trailer, like, you know, the kids fucking around in the firehouse with the, you know, with the hose and, you know, the foam and stuff. But it's just, I'm telling you, man, it is so funny and it's very clean. Like I said, it's it's a PG rated flick. There's no curse words in it. There's no inappropriate actions or you know or behaviors, but there's humor in there for both the kids and the adults. But 
we don't have kids and we were literally practically changing our underpants halfway through the film we were laughing so hard so i think you do me a solid it's clean and, who are you trying to sell this movie to well i'm just saying like i don't it's you know, clean guys it's, well okay. i'm just saying i don't always go after like the r-rated dick and fart you know that's you know adult it, comedy that's what makes it so funny is that it's not vulgar it's yeah there's no cussing at all right and it is so funny it is it is hysterical man it is funny and like it's like everybody knows their role especially because it's basically it's it like cena leguizano and and keegan michael Kier are the three main firemen and uh you got tyler main you know is you know he, he's the the big burly silent dude who carries around the fire axe but he's got a couple moments but all right you know, all right all right gang let's let's me. do this fucking thing this week trust um, me all right trust me have you come to save your apes i came for you this is war for the planet of the apes he's a smart one isn't he what are you gonna name him they look like just apes to you? He saved our lives. He was remarkable. Apes, apes, together, You're him. You're Caesar. We've been searching for you for so long. I do not start this war. I fight only to protect apes. Human gets sick, ape gets smart. Then human kill ape, but not me. I run. There are times when it is necessary to abandon our humanity to save humanity. eventually you'd replace us that's the law of nature so what would you have done what did the humans promise you no matter what you do you'll never be one of them you are we are the beginning apes together strong have you come to save your apes? I came for you. Alright, so in War for the Planet of the Apes... Caesar and his apes are forced into a deadly conflict with an army of humans led by a ruthless colonel. After the apes suffer unimaginable losses, Caesar wrestles with his darker instincts and begins his own mythic quest to avenge his kind. As the journey finally brings them face to face, Caesar and the colonel are pitted against each other in an epic battle that will determine the fate 
of both their species and the future of the planet. All right, it's first time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that. You see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So technically, that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it. So if I'm not up to... Uh, um, it was it, it, the Saturday night premiere on HBO. I distinctly remember. The only one I ever saw in the theaters. Yeah, you, and you, you said I, that before on the show. I do remember you saying that. Yeah, the, the the only one I saw theatrically was me and you going for the opening night of Rise of Planet of the Apes. Um, the other two, I might I, I might have bought Dawn on Blu-ray without having seen it before. Um, but I do remember like actually getting excited. It was Mandy and I were still living at at, at um, you know at, at her parents. We had a basement apartment, and there was like that Saturday night's you know big premiere, and we sat down to watch it. So that was my first time viewing was when it hit uh, premium cable. Uh, for me, it was just last month. That's the whole primary reason I said we're doing the whole damn trilogy. Um, well, I, th I think honestly, let's 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 dial it back because originally we just wanted to cover Rise, and I'm like, dude, I really, I yeah. really feel like we should cover the whole trilogy. And then it wasn't until we started working out the deets on where to work these episodes in that I found out you hadn't seen War, and I'm like, oh my god, you don't even know how this thing ends. So yeah, please jump on it. So yeah, that was so it was only what a month ago, but yet you've had that box set for Christ for a while. Oh, uh, about two years. Yeah, I remember uh, you buying it. I remember being up. I, I remember ringing you up when I was still working at the Big Blue Machine when you came. In, yeah, I, that's why I was surprised. It, it you know that you didn't watch it until just recently. Yeah, yep. Yeah, better late than never. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, all right, so let's do live top five. Rob, it's your turn. Okay, I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Hey. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Off of Nevermind. Oh, no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a... Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white Light, White Heat. Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not and on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection. The song is Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation. This episode, I asked for our top five overall trilogies. And uh, kicking it off with my number five is um, George A. Romero's Trilogy of the Dead. Night, Dawn, and Day. Yeah. I was I was going to put that on there, but I decided to lean uh, towards. For my number five is going to be Rodriguez's Mariachi trilogy. Nice. Yeah. My number four is Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, which consists of The Thing, uh, Prince of Darkness, okay. and In the Mouth of Madness. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Qualifies. Um, mine, the Evil Dead trilogy. All right. Uh, my number three is this one, the Apes Trilogy, the Caesar Trilogy. I got you. Uh, my number three is the Back to the Future Trilogy. All right. But they hold a special right. place because those were all, like, those, you know, I, I was of that generation, all three of them. I was there, you know, opening weekend in the theaters. Um, I distinctly remember, like, because uh, part two and three were released only a couple of months apart because I remember, like, literally the day before Back to the Future 3 came out in the theater was the day that Back to the Future 2 released on VHS. Mm -hmm. 
so like sense. we went we ran rented the, the 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 vhs copy of back to the future 2 and then had tickets for like the one o'clock show for back to the future 3 the next day right right all right my number two is the toy story trilogy mine is going to be leone's man with no name trilogy. i like it yeah and my number one come on guys it's the before trilogy I, I knew you, I knew you were going there. You were a sucker for link letters. Fucking um, love the before you do, trilogy. You do, and I'm ne- I've never seen anything but the first one. But you keep telling me to check out the other two. Um, Absolutely. The 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 reason this will be number one is because <clears throat> again I utilize your your Paramount Plus account to finally view the coda. So I made now that I viewed um, the the death of Michael Corleone, I made Godfather one. Uh, my number one trilogy because I think Coppola redeemed himself with that Godfather coda where he kind of redid um, Godfather 3. I'd avoided it for so long and then sat here the other day, um, Saturday a week ago, and watched that watched that new cut of it. And I really want to just jam them all back to back again. I, I It's just, I don't know. There's a special place in my heart for all three of those movies. Um, I had a couple of honorable mentions, but mainly because there was more than three of them, but I made exceptions for a reason. I had Die Hard because one, two, and three all kick fucking ass, in my opinion. Well, it's like me, um, Toy Story one, two, and three. I can't stand the film or the fact that there's a Toy Story four. So I've, I've never even seen four, and I've heard it kind of gets a little, you know, a little melancholy. And I don't know what I watched it about. I watched about 30, 30. 35 minutes of it and just i just shook my head like nah this ain't working for me okay um so my other one was um the the indiana jones trilogy because you know i pretend there's only three indiana jones movies anyway so there is no indiana jones and the fucking spaceships that doesn't exist in my world that sounds like a terrible idea (laughs) i know right and then ultimately um i 86 thunderdome to include the mad max trilogy so it's just mad max road warrior and fury road what is this a do-it-yourself trilogy? What the fuck? Well, look, Thund- Thunderdome's only there because because they were trying, they wanted to ma- milk the Rockatansky character, and Miller was trying to do his Lord of the Flies movie. So they're like, all right, let's smash them both together and get George Miller back, which is why that movie sucks fucking balls. So let's pretend that doesn't exist. You just go from Road Warrior right to Fury Road. It works for me. All right, let's talk about the film, shall we? Mm-hmm. So the movie kicks off with the 20th Century Fox logo accompanied by a fitting variation of the music set to wooden instruments and horns to go with the new world. I, I like this touch a lot. Like the minute you hear the and the way it sounds, like the bamboo and the horns and everything, like. Let's the viewer know what kind of movie they're about to witness. And um, what were you going to say? 
No, I'm just saying it, it's, it almost sounds like it's coming from, you know, would be like man-made instruments at the, you know, at the time, like, you know, what, right. what, what, what could you gleam out of your environment to still make music? And that's how they did the, uh, the 20th century Fox theme. It's, it's great. I think it's, it's genius for this kind of movie. It's, it's the, it's the final film of this epic trilogy and, you know, go big or go home. So, uh, what's next is a quiet opening scene set to uh, rain and audible jungle sounds with the uh, the text. Uh, 15 years ago, scientific experiment going wrong gave rise to a species of intelligent apes and destroyed most of humanity with a virus that became known as simian flu. And the rise in this is highlighted in red. And then... With the dawn of a new ape civilization led by Caesar, the surviving humans struggled to coexist, but fighting finally broke out when a rebel ape, Koba, led a vengeful attack against humans. And again, here, dawn highlighted in red. And then finally, the humans sent the distress call to a military base in the north where all that remained of the U.S. Army was gathered. A ruthless special forces colonel and his hardened battalion were dispatched to exterminate the apes evading capture for the last two years caesar is now rumored to be marshalling the fight from a hidden command base in the woods as the war rages on and then the, the, the word war highlighted in red and then the war for the planet of the apes title card appears i absolutely love this it's again yeah, it's fitting yeah, it's, I, I, I dug it to my very first note is like rise, dawn, and we're all underlined because those like everything else fades away before the yeah. red words and the mm -hmm. red words are rise and dawn and then war. So they work, they, they work the whole, you know, backstory synopsis and title card all in or, um, you know, title of the film all in the opening title card, which was cool. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> So then we see soldiers walking slowly uh, through the, the woods with names on their helmets and backs, such as Donkey Killer, Bedtime for Bonzo, which is a pretty genius reference to a 1950s Ronald Reagan film, yeah. and uh, Endangered Species. Uh, they're ordered to hold as we see a group of apes on horsebacks in the distance, and then we see uh, that they have help from leftover Koba followers who were siding with the soldiers. Um there's one that they call a donkey. A donkey yeah, is like, like they're, their they're branded. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's donkey's like an insult. Yeah, it's exactly. It's it's like their slur name. Like they've now been uh, almost like they've got. Um, um, oh God, uh, I forget the name of the syndrome, but you know what I mean. We're like you know you just succumb to your captors, you know, and and they're just like they, they've just been so beaten that yeah. now. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you talking about Stockholm syndrome? That's exactly it. So, like, yeah, like they've been so beaten down that they're just, you know, they're taking commands from, you know, from their captors, their original, who was originally like their, you know, uh, their enemies. They're now, they're now subordinate to, and it's kind of heartbreaking because that that big, you know, albino donkey they call Winter could pretty much take out half the damn troop on his own. But he's just been so beaten and defeated that he just won't. Yeah, I mean, we see they're all we saw earlier in films, like in Dawn, when when Koba kills what's his face, the um, uh, the the, the one guy from the show Oz, uh, that he just kind of like pulls him out of the van or the truck and just smashes him like uh with his with his strength because it yeah. said that they have like they're like ten times stronger than 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 humans, so any mm -hmm. ape can essentially 
kill off one of us just like that, you know, easy peasy lemon breezy. Um, so the soldiers, uh, they attack the outpost as we see gunfire explosions filling up the screen. We see one of the apes retreat to get back up. And then we get a donkey named Red watching his kind being attacked and killed in a slow-mo sequence. Uh, then the cavalry arrives, and then a flood of arrows just completely wipes out the majority of these troops. Like you just see this sea of arrows flying in the air, like yeah, like soldiers. It basically blackens the skyline. There's so many arrows in the air. Oh, I love it so much. It's so awesome. Um, a, a soldier whose name is Preacher radios the colonel from a dead soldier and uh, from his radio and is informed that he is now in charge. This is where I'm scratching my head going, huh? Like The colonel is just like, who are you? What, my guy's dead? Well, since you answered his radio, you're now in charge. Like, okay. And we see that, you know, he clearly doesn't want that role. He's like, what? Are you serious? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to lead this battalion. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I don't want to be the front of the line. Yeah, especially when we see this only like yeah, especially when we see later on this next part that like that sea of arrows kills all but like four of them. So uh, the, he's informed that he's now in charge, and then the next moment he is seen taken captive along with Red and three other soldiers. So it's five actually, not four. Caesar is now introduced as he approaches the captured soldiers. All of the apes extend their arms for his approval as he walks through. I love this. Caesar is God to these apes. I yeah, he's. I was going to say, Caesar is treated like a God and he walks with purpose, man. Yeah, and so. he's what, at this point, our boy's maybe 21, 22 years old. Yeah, this is, it, and this is also a theme that we're going to all be, too, we're going to be all too familiar with by the end of this film. Um Maurice informs him that the attack left them with 63 dead as Preacher rants on about how they're going to be. They, 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 they've been searching for him for quite some time, but they can never actually find him. Uh, even Preacher, the soldier here, is looking up to Caesar like he's some lost god. Right. Caesar tells Preacher that Red was a Koba follower who fears what he will do to them when Red, interior, uh, when Red interferes, saying that he doesn't fear him. He then warns him that about the colonel and what he's going to eventually do to all of them. I do not start this war. The ape who did is dead. His name was Koba. I killed him. Now, I fight only to protect apes. Yeah? What about him? We got ten more just like him. I know these apes. They follow Koba. They tried to kill me. They fear what I will do to them. So now, they serve you. Just to survive. I don't fear you. You must fear. How long you think woods can protect you? Humans destroy you. Uh, then Caesar releases the humans anyway, hoping to show the colonel that they are not savages. Meanwhile, Rudd escapes by injuring the albino gorilla Winter, because they order Winter to take uh, Red away. And then next thing you know, 
you see Winter like come back, like all banged up, hold his head, like he beat me, then escaped, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, the guy got away from it. Huh? And then we get this absolutely stunning, fucking beautiful piano melody playing as the apes take their dead to the river to lay them out. Um, this score, real quick, I want to. I, um, I really want to talk about this score in this movie. It's nothing that like pops out at you. Like there's nothing like a, a memorable song, like a theme. It's just throughout this movie. It's just subtle, uh, pianic, you know, tunes, uh, different themes going on throughout the movie to accommodate the scenes or characters that were, were being shown. Um, and it's all like piano driven. It's not intrusive, though. I mean, it, it's 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 fitting. No, right. It's very fitting. Yes. <laughs> and it's it 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 it's. I mean, I don't want to say it sets a somber tone, but it definitely sets you know a, a very moody mood, if you will. Does that make sense? I'll say it does because it does. It, it definitely does. It definitely sets a somber tone. I'll go ahead and say it for you. Definitely. Um. So then we get a look at the waterfall base that the apes are now residing in. There's a Family reunion of sorts here with uh, uh, just Caesar coming home to his, his you see his wife, um, um, uh, what's her name? Cornelia, 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 yeah. It's, Cornelia. You said it's Judy Green, right? It's still Judy that's, Green, that's, that's or Judy, Judy Green, Green. Judy Green. Judy Green. Yep. She yep. came back for this, yep, yeah. And it's and this is where I made a note, like, because I mean, let's face it, I mean, given everything you know that's going on in society. These apes ain't got bad digs up there in the fucking woods, man. I kind of want to live, you know, in ape harmony like fucking Diane Fossey. They got a pretty, you know, swanky little eco environment up there. I dig it, especially <laughs> in this one. You get that cool ass waterfall that, like, right? Like the cave that Caesar calls his bedroom is like right there at underneath the waterfall, behind the yeah. waterfall. And I it's mean, just, this uh, shit ain't no, you know, ain't no fucking internet or PlayStation, but fuck it. This is what it's come down to. Yeah. There's, 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 there's there's worse there's worse places you can call home i want to move in i want to be like diane Fossey, move in with the apes so then later blue eyes and rocket tell caesar about the area that they found with sand and such a place that no human will find them winter wants to leave immediately because he's scared due to the humans getting closer he's told that they must be smart about leaving with uh so many of them since before it was only two of them sneaking away to find this place um, it's not going to be so easy with like everyone, which is a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to draw attention when there's like 60 of you. Oh, yeah, definitely. That night, <laughs> Caesar's watching over his sleeping family when he sees green lights from the waterfall. Yeah. He, he approaches. When I first watched this movie, I knew right away what was going on here. It right. sucks. He right. approaches it's it like and they're... finds a rope. <laughs> and he finds this rope and just pulls on it. And then he goes and tells Blue Eyes to stay behind and watch his mother and brother for him. Then we see soldiers walking through the base as Caesar requests everyone on patrol to gather along with Rocket too. And then yeah, 
displaying his strength, we see one of the soldiers attacked by blue eyes. Again, just kind of pulls him into the darkness and slams and, and kind of like the last film with Koba. Uh, killing Oz guy. This one, you see them kind of like pulling the soldiers into the darkness. It's a pretty cool effect. Uh, Caesar takes his earpiece from the, the, the soldier that rocket attacked. And you can hear the colonel, played by Woody Harrelson, ordering the soldiers to retreat, saying they took the target out and that King Kong is dead. It takes him a second, but then he realizes what's going on. Caesar rushes to his family as we see the bodies of Cornelia, blue eyes. With the colonel retreating back, he's kind of like hooking himself up to the rope. And then he looks back and there's this. <coughs> this was the shot that was in all the, the ads and, and marketing. All the trailers for the film had this moment where the colonel turns slowly and locks eyes of Caesar for the first time. He goes, he pushes himself out into the waterfall and then like firing his gun. Yeah. And this is a, I made, I made a note here. Like, for, I don't know. I don't care how heavily saturated it was in the marketing. Woody Harrelson's character's intro, like his screen intro to me is fucking epic. That's a bad oh, cool. like yeah, to yeah, introduce yeah. your, you know, to introduce your villain. You know what I mean? He's just a hardened fucking crazy soldier of fortune and he ain't scared of no apes. You know, and he does. He's like, and it's all, and and a lot of the lighting only comes from like their, you know, their splinter cell fucking yeah. uh, night vision green, green light. Yeah, the green lasers from their splinter cell night vision goggles. And he does. He just like clips, you know, slowly dips back in the waterfall and gets carried up. That's a fucking <laughs> hell of a way to bring your right. badass antagonist into the picture. And thank God we got Woody Harrelson playing him. So yeah, Caesar dodges gunfire and then he does like a little barrel roll in slow-mo and out of the way and then attempts to climb the rope after him. Uh, this is a badass scene. He dives out onto the rope. He's going up. We see this beautifully lit moonlit sky above. Yeah. It's, it's a really awesome effect. And yeah, like through the waterfall almost. Like we're we, you yeah. know, we're, we're from the ground looking up. Now my note here says I I love the cloudy moonlit sky up above in this scene. Yeah. Uh, and then he, we see the colonel look down at, at Caesar as he's like frantically like panicking and, and not panicking, but he's like pissed off and climbing up the rope as fast as he can. And he just swoop and cuts the rope, the colonel. And then you just see Caesar like fall down into the waterfall, uh, into the rapid water. And then you see him uh, jump out. Of the pop out of the water, collect, collects himself, and then he's yeah. informed that uh, Winter got scared and ran off. Right. When asked about Cornelius, he's told that they still haven't been able to find him as uh, they go to search again. Suddenly, Cornelius comes out of hiding and jumps into Caesar's arms. Um, it's really, I, I love this scene here of uh, Caesar and his uh, son, like a little reunion. Because, like, at the moment, Caesar thinks they're all gone. He thinks that all of his this entire family was just massacred. But, right, I mean. 
he's right for the most part, unfortunately, but you know, yeah. a little Cornelius here made it out. Okay. And this moment here is very touching. Um, and, and again, like I, I'm, I'm kind of choking up watching this and I'm just, this is all like CG characters and, and they all look so real. I, exactly. The it's, it's, this movie has like, it's like, it's, I'm it's, getting emotional over like, a bunch of suits. ones and zeros it's fucking yeah. binary code you know touching your feels man it's pretty it's cool crazy it's crazy yeah um so the next morning we see the apes getting ready to leave for the new home caesar is uh he has another ape called uh named lake take cornelius himself while he stays behind he tells her that he's not coming with them Maurice tries to reason with caesar reminding him that he's still their leader and that everyone can't leave without him he says they must and that the soldiers will return soon. He says that this is their best chance to leave as the soldiers are coming for him. We watch the group of, uh, of apes set off for their new home as Caesar stays back. He's uh, soon joined, though, by Maurice, Rocket, and another gorilla named Luca to uh, make sure that he makes it back. As they're all traveling together on their horses, there's a certain piece from the score at this moment that sounds like like the theme to an old series, but it's not like uh, the score. This is the part of the score where like it, it lights up. There is like a theme. Um, it's not piano driven. It's like, it's just as big. It sounds like the theme song to like a show for a moment. I was like, is that the theme song to the planet of the apes TV series that lasted one <laughs> season? No, it's it's not. I mean, it could go. It, you could put it up with that and make it, you know, work. But it, it gives this film its own, you know, mark, uh, more or less. And I like that. Yeah. Well, uh, also, um, also, right when you know, when when you know, Rocket and Luca and Maurice join Caesar, like that. I think it's Maurice that delivers. You know, because like Caesar's like, no, no, no. I'm I'm gonna go. You get you know, make sure they all get back. Doesn't Maurice say to him? He's like. I'm coming to make sure Cornelius has a dad. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, That's a pretty that. touching moment, man. He's like, I'm coming to make sure Cornelius has a dad. And you're like, fuck, man, there's a bond between, you know, these two primates that we've watched grow over the course of three films that, you know, much like you and I, they're now brothers, man. They're no longer just, you know, you know, friends and well, in because more well because since since Rise all the way back to that movie, uh, Maurice has been his like voice of reason, right? His been his Doctor Zayas, yeah, his Doctor Zayas. So we also see them passing an old Coca Cola truck from the holidays because why not? <laughs> then, <laughs> then the group find an old shack by the ocean and search the search the area. They come across the guy with firewood who says that he's just going to put them down only to reveal a gun as he's shot by Caesar from a distance. He's got an AO tattoo on his neck like the other soldiers uh, representing his name, uh, the name of the colonel's unit, Alpha Omega. Alpha Omega, yep. Yep. Uh, they question why he's alone and if he's a deserter when they hear a noise from the shack. They go in and find the mute little girl 
uh, Maurice befriends her. Now they all find her in the bed, and like they point their, they're all aiming their guns, or, or at least Caesar is, is like pointing at her. And then like we just see Maurice, his arm comes into the in their frame, and he's kind of like lowers the gun for Caesar, like no, don't shoot. And then uh, he uh, gives her an old rag doll to show no harm. Caesar uh, has the others, the other two, look around and take what they can. Um, and then this shot here, words cannot describe the realism of Maurice in this scene when he's got the close-up shots of him and the girl when they first kind of lock eye and eye together in this moment here when she's first discovered. Like, I just made a note because I was just blown away by just how real these close-up effects are on the Maurice yeah, I mean, character. Yeah, it's, it it's almost It's almost like you see the 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 digital tears of emotion welling up in Maurice's eyes because you know he feels sorry for this poor lost child in this in this new world. Like you can see you can feel the emotion coming through for Maurice. All the detail, it's just so realistic looking. Gosh, I can't express it how mind amazing did it, did, it is. Did any of these win effects awards? No, they fucking no, should have. No. Fucking once again, Academy's asleep at the wheel with his fucking head up its ass. So the little, the little, yeah, the little girl tries talking to Maurice, but she can't speak. So all the apes go to leave when the girl comes outside and stands over the guy who they killed out, who they, they killed, presumably her father. Uh, but we don't know that for a fact. The next shot uh, is one that I feel is a callback to the original film with the apes riding their horses along yeah, the ocean I, on the I, beach. I, I, I do. I, I love that. I love that shot of them just like, you know, the slowly trotting, you know, by the, you know, yeah. by the coastline. It's set to that theme, that theme that I'm talking about, the theme yeah. that's not, the not so theme theme. Yeah. 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 The not so theme theme. Yes. <laughs> that's good. That's uh, a good way to put it. <laughs> so they eventually find another Alpha Omega camp where uh, Winter is now working as their donkey. He tells them that the colonel was there but left that morning and that more soldiers from the north are coming and the colonel's meeting them at the, the border to uh, finish off the rest of the apes for good. Winter then uh, reveals the donkey who spared him uh, his life after the battle in the beginning, promised him the colonel would spare him his life if he told him where they were hiding after asking for forgiveness. He attempts to call out for help, but he's restrained and accidentally suffocated to death by Caesar. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is one of, I mean, outside of being antagonized by Koba, this is one of the few times where you see the simian species literally turn on each other. And now they're starting to almost exercise what, let's face it, what the, what, what, what this whole series of films has been about since the 60s is to point out man's inhumanity towards man like no matter what's you know no matter what species takes over society the same instincts are eventually going to kick in mm -hmm. you know and it's that survival instinct and you've got to you've got to you know even though he doesn't want to he's got to shut fucking winter up even if it means ending his life and the last thing caesar wants to do is kill another simian but yeah, we see it. a soldier right outside the, uh, the the tent. We see the shadow figure of the soldier. Right. So he's right there. So I, I get it, you know, because if that soldier finds them, they're dead. They're all yeah, dead. Yeah, it's kill or be killed. Yep. So he's, you know, he's got a split second decision to make. Exactly what it is. So later that night at the campfire, uh, Caesar has a nightmare involving Koba when he's yeah. woken by the, he's woken up by Maurice who tells him that the soldiers are leaving. They proceed to follow them north into the snow. They suddenly stop and are scared off uh, 
the horses by gunfire. And you said and, you you said Toby Kebbell came back to film this cameo as Kobo, right? Him. Yep. Yeah. So they wait for the storm to settle and then uh, approach the dead soldiers who were gunned down by who they were gunned down with bags over their head, kind of like execution style. Uh, One suddenly springs to life, but cannot speak. The humans, uh, they got blood around their mouths. When Caesar asks why he was shot, he's struggling to speak. The apes then look at the the girl and realize that she's suffering from the same condition as these two guys or these, these men. The scene ends with Caesar aiming a gun at the soldier who is nodding his head in approval to be put down, but we don't see or hear the gunshot. We just cut to the next scene, and it's the apes that are on top of a post trying to see where the soldiers are. Or where they and they like, they've like climbed up like a big, almost like a, like, like a, not quite a deer stand, but they've like climbed a, a tower yeah, to get yeah. a view over the landscape. Caesar mentions the border, but is unsure where it is. The little girl is waiting at the bottom when uh, someone in a winter coat approaches the horse and tries <laughs> going for the supplies when he's spotted so by Luca, prompting a cool horse chase as the thief is chased up a ski lift and into an old resort that's layered in snow. The apes notice footprints leading to a dark fireplace when they approach it with their weapons. The guns that were stolen are thrown at them. The thief reveals himself to be bad ape. Played and by, played by Steve Zahn. I fucking love And he's just like, I had, I, I made Mandy try to guess when we were watching. I'm like, you know what it is? It took her a good, like, four or five scenes with Bad Ape. She's like, is that? And I'm like, really? Yeah, she, 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 she could place him, but she's like, I think I know who it is. And then I had to bring up, like, you know, a, a Steve Zahn headshot. And she's like, that's who so I thought. Small. Yeah, it's fucking. He's I, hands down. Bad Ape is my favorite character in this film. It's Lenny. It's Lenny from that thing you do. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, the Bad Ape. Love it. Bad Ape offers his winter coat to the girl, and he's he's like, well, you didn't mention he's like all like. I'm guessing he's supposed to be just like an older chimpanzee because he's almost got no hair. He's like almost bald. Like there's no more body hair left. Either that or he was, I don't know, tortured or something. I don't he know. He's old. just, he's got this like phobia against, you know, he's, he's, you would, he's acting like an abused animal. He's kind of like yeah. keeps to himself and, and, and hiding, uh, doesn't really trust anybody. Um, yeah, he's probably yeah. shed all his hair in captivity just out of like fear and stress, you know, yeah, at this anyway, point. He wears a winter coat. He's got a sly sense of humor. Um, he's, he's got like, he dressed like a human. He's got like pants on a little beanie hat. <laughs> yeah, cute, man. Yeah. Fuck, I want I want me I want bad ape. I want to have a little bad ape. So he offers his winter coat to the girl, saying cold, sitting around a fire. He tells them that he's alone and came from a zoo, but the other apes are dead. He says humans get sick, apes get smart, then human kill ape, but not him. I see, girl. I think you human, oh, but you ape. Like me. No, 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 put down. How long have you been here? Long time. Long, long time. Oh. Home. O- old home. Are there more like you? More apes from zoo? Dead. All dead. Long time. 
human gets sick, ape gets smart. Then human kill ape, but not me. I run. You learn to speak. Listen, human. Bad ape. Bad ape. Caesar is amazed he can speak. Each time the girl goes to touch something, he stops her and tells her that it's not hers. And then he's like, he keeps on like excusing himself and like runs off this funny bit. He does it like three times or something like that. Like he runs off into this room. You hear a bunch of sound, like noise, clutter. He's like going to get different things for uh, at different moments. Um, uh, where, where was I at here? Yeah, he's, collect- he's yeah. collecting like little like little trinkets is like a way to show you know camaraderie and appreciation if you will to his new yeah. guest he's like just staying alive and and let's face it bad eight probably hasn't had any company at this point for a couple of years so he's he just has, glad to have somebody so. yeah he's, he's just glad to you know to talk to somebody and i made a note here is like i was actually moved when he delivers that monologue about when he recollects um the mres the meals ready to eat like there's you know yes we're looking at you know a digital composite of Steve Zahn playing, you know, a hairless chimpanzee, but there's enough emotion in there that it actually moved me when he recollects that story about the MREs, man. Yeah. He brings in the, 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 the MREs and he, he says new friends, special day. Yeah. It's then revealed that bad ape knows where alpha Omega is stationed, but can't help them. He wants to, he wants them to stay with him instead. He even goes as far as letting the little girl play with what she's been touching Later that night, Caesar explains that the little girl isn't theirs, but he's noticeably taking a liking to her. He says that he had a family, but they were killed by soldiers. Eventually, Bad Ape tells Caesar that he will take them to the Alpha Omega camp. So the next morning, Luca and the little girl uh, they bonded with spring blossoms before heading off. And then Bad Ape leads the others to a heavily fortif- uh, fortified uh, quarantine facility in the mountains where the colonel is mentoring. So well, hold on, hold, hold on. I want to let me ask you something because because I um I I forget because I got my notes here, but I forget exactly what what moment this transpires in the film. Um, has he given? Has Bad Ape given the little girl her little trinket yet? Yeah, yeah. I just that's what she was playing with, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know, do 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 you, do you even get that? Like, what he gives her is literally like the the back emblem off of. You know, a Chevy Nova from the seventies. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the, the the Nova, Nova. I get it. And and do you, do you, you you realize why that is, right? Nova, I get it. Nova. Yeah, she's yeah. That's and, and so that's what that's it's, the other thing. A, with this is setting up. It's a reference all the way back to when Colonel Taylor crash lands forty fucking years from now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what? Right at that moment, and it didn't dawn on me until after watching the film, as 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 uplifting as as an ending as we get. Like if you think like, okay, this is still kind of the beginning of the story because you know. Chuck Heston's still going to crash land back on Earth and figure out what the fuck happened. And that happens probably 20-some-odd years from where this movie ends. But by the time that happens, the apes have now like reverted back to the inhumanity of man because Nova is held as a you know, fucking mute, blonde, you know, yeah, but I don't, I don't Personally, I don't think we're getting that. I think this is it. We're not getting that. And That's why would they? Why would they do that? Because that means you're going to take these 
characters that you've essentially been building up for three films as your protagonist. And then suddenly you're gonna flip the switch and make them the villains. Like, well, no, none of none of none of these tell characters. me none of none of none of Caesar. no 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 none of these characters are the villains. But which let's look at it. This is how I looked at it. So we've got you know rise, dawn, and war. That is like your origin. And then we you know jump in the fucking wayback machine and go back to 1968 when you know Chuck Heston and Colonel Taylor you know crash land the Icarus. You know, after being stuck in space since, you know, act three of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So now over the course of 20 years, this whole ape society that we left loving has just reverted back to the same type of bullshit that man has done unto itself. So it's almost like it, it, it's it's painting this vicious cycle of existence. And that's how I look at that. You know, that's why I believe I don't think that 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 whole thing of him giving her a little Nova emblem is just a little nod to fans of the original. I think that's stating that, yes, this is her. The whole reason she doesn't speak in, you know, the original movie is because of the simian flu. And unfortunately, history is doomed to repeat itself. You know? Yeah, but then Disney bought out Fox and that happened after this film came out. So I don't really honestly personally see them continuing i know they've announced something for the future whether it's a remake or or a, i don't think it's a continuation i think it's just a full-fledged remake i just think that they're going to do it their own way with disney now involved now nah, fuck all that noise man i just I go back, I, just, I just go back to 68 and watch chuck heston that's you part do, i was about i was about to say you could do that so that's do what that. i'm that's what i do so okay <laughs> So Maurice, no. So the next morning, shit. What the hell was that one coming? I'm sorry. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up. I, I really wanted to make that point on the air. So sorry. Caesar gets. Uh, shit. Where the fuck am I? <laughs> you laugh. It's a pain in my ass. Uh, <laughs> Caesar gets closer with Luca. No. All right. So Caesar gets a closer look uh, with uh, Luca when they're suddenly ambushed by two soldiers. Rocket jumps in to help, but Luca is revealed to be mortally wounded by the bayonet. Uh, they bring him back up to the uh, others where he dies as a little girl cries for him. He, peace, he passes away peacefully knowing he died protecting Caesar. And I'm confused in this moment. This is the only, spoiler alert, my mulligan moment here. I, I these, This relationship is just quickly sprung up on us only to end the scene later. And it's... Her reaction to his death is questionable to me because I don't feel like they've had enough time to build. Like she's closer with Maurice. I understand that this is Maurice in the role here being killed by the bayonet, but it's not. It's it's the other gorilla, Luca, who it's just a, a gorilla with them who the girl befriends in one scene. Then the next scene, or they, they, they band over like these cherry blossoms. Then the next scene, he's dead and she's like crying on top of him like... I don't know. It's just it's it's a stretch for me. It's a stretch for dramatic um, cinema, and and I just I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not buying into it personally. Here, that's my take. That's how I've always felt. That's how I still feel about this. Watching it again for the episode. Uh, Maurice tells Caesar that uh, this this just just stop, and that it's it's not just stop, and it's not too late to join the party. Caesar says that they must pay. And then he gets angry and tells the others to go join the rest of the apes. Uh, that bringing them this was bringing them was a mistake because this is his war. 
And then we see him just go. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to do it myself. Goes out to the gate. He sees uh, like a field of dead apes tied up, like cross like posts. There's one still clinging to life who Caesar brings down and tries helping. Uh, and he tells Caesar that they came out of nowhere and attacked, but the colonel says he can use them and brought them all back, uh, putting them to work instead of killing them. And then we see the ape die uh, he, as uh, Caesar is knocked out from behind by Red. This is when Caesar goes to the gate. He tells the others to go back. He's going to do this himself. And he, go, he approaches the gate to the colonel's fort solo. But before he gets to the gate, he has to go through like this field of like dead apes and there's there's some of them that are just dead some of them are the no they're all tied they're all tied up to crosses they were all put out there intentionally um to just be tortured essentially and, and they, they they were killed by the the weather you know and no water they were just hung there for days until they died but one of them is still alive and uh warns caesar but then it's too late because then we see caesar gets knocked out by red Who's the uh the gorilla who works for them? He's the donkey working for the colonel, who is uh we saw Red introduced in Dawn. He was one of Koba's followers. So Caesar wakes up uh to the colonel's voice, uh, quoting passages to Caesar. He says that he's surprised he wasn't with the herd that they ambushed as Caesar tries reaching out at him. And then we see the colonel ask him if he came to save his apes. Caesar says he came for him and confirms that he's the one who killed his wife and son instead of him. The colonel apologizes, saying that he was trying to kill him instead. He comments on his eyes, saying that he's almost human before asking how he knew that he was there. Caesar confirms the colonel's plan of a party meeting him there to finish them all off. When asked who told him this, Caesar does not answer. Wellington. And Napoleon, Custer, and Sitting Bull. You're probably not much of a reader, but this is a big moment. Where were you? We came upon your herd, we got lucky. And I was surprised you weren't with me. I hope you don't come to regret sparing his life. He's quite a good shot. Have you finally come to save your apes? I came for you. For me? Who did I kill that night? My wife. My son. Human. 
let you know I was here. I was told you were coming. That more soldiers from the north would be joining you here. Joining me? To finish us off. For good. Who told you that? Colonel takes Caesar around to the uh, the camp's prison quarters, where the other apes are shown captive, along with little Cornelius. Uh, Caesar is sent to his own camp, though his own cell across from the camp. He's unchained and left with the other apes locked away. Cornelius is heard crying as uh, Caesar asks himself what he has done. So, at this point, Caesar don't really have a game plan. He just sent the others away. Said that he's going to handle this himself. I guess not realizing that he was going to get ambushed as soon as he got to that gate. Because now he's captured with everybody else. And this is when the film does a hard left. And you're not going to get the all-on war that this film kind of hyped itself to, to, to be. And to, to some, it's a bad thing. To me, I kind of like this slow burn uh, choice instead of making it just eight versus man, Woody versus Andy. Like we don't get any of that, really. We, I, in fact, we don't get that at all. Um, we we get this struggle. Uh, we get this story here of of Caesar and like it's it's a it's like it's a it's got religious you know intentions and uh, this movie is like it plays it's got like a real biblical touch to it if, if that makes sense with the way caesar is kind of like hailed as god we see the crosses you know we're yeah see i mean he's he, he is he is um i don't know if it's in this scene or not but he's he's awfully he's strung up almost like on a crucifix yeah, that's 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 coming as up like, it hasn't happened yet but yeah, yeah it's that, like kind of like a kill your idols type thing um <laughs> So the next morning, we see the apes awaken to the troops marching in the middle of the camp with chants heard as the colonel comes out, shaving his head like Colonel Kurtz himself. He then gets the national anthem. Uh, We then get the national anthem as the soldier and donkeys attack and pull out the apes for work. So this is like kind of like a a morning routine. This is how they wake the this is how they wake the apes up and send them to work because they're making, you know, instead of just keeping them all in cells, they're making them work because he's building we're going to find out it's kind of vague what they're working on, but then, you know, we find out pretty quickly that, you know, the Colonel and his men are here, but they're, they've kind of like went rogue themselves. Yeah. You know, they're not really on anybody's side, but their own. So really what they're having the apes do is essentially spruce their spot up with some more so they can have a defense, you know, for when the, the bigger war comes and that's not the apes I'm talking about. The, the, the rest of the, the, the National Guard and the army and shit that they're after them. They're coming from the north, but they ain't coming for the apes. They're coming for the colonel. So yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, when Caesar puts shit together and figures out they're building a wall. He's like, why do they need a wall if they're the army? He's building a wall against everything. Yeah. He's just got this rogue little faction. So we see all the apes at work here. They're lifting boulders without any food or water to make a wall. Uh, Caesar notices their weaponry. 
as an ape accidentally ruins the assembly. So they have to, they have Red come over and whip him with his, whip him for his actions until ye, until ye, until Caesar yells to leave him alone. Five, four, three, two. All the apes throw down their boulders in protest with their leader, Caesar. He's then taken in front of the colonel and whipped 
but he shows zero remorse like he's Jesus Christ himself. So yeah, this is it. This is the the scene that you were just mentioning where like he's his arms are pulled, he's and he's whipped from behind, and Caesar's just looking up at the colonel, like, is that all? Like he's kind of like giving him no reaction at all every time yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah, even red's like, what the hell? You know, for lack of a better term, Caesar Caesar's a Christ allegory at this point. Yeah, he's JC himself, absolutely. Right, so the colonel orders Caesar to tell his men to get back to work, and then he tells them that they need food and water. Colonel ends up shooting the ape who made the initial error dead before aiming the gun at Caesar himself, who presses his own head against the gun, showing no fear. And this is when Lake, who's the one that uh, Caesar put in charge of Cornelius earlier, the, 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 the female ape, um, she suddenly picks up a boulder as the, the rest continue to work as well. And Caesar is then ordered to be strung up on the cross. So he's left out on this cross, you know, it, it's the dead of winter. It's all snow everywhere. So it's cold. Um, Red comes out to Caesar and ridicule. He's ridiculed for turning on his own kind. So Red cuts him down and says the Colonel wants to see him as we begin hearing Hendrix's Hey Joe. Colonel says if he ever pulls another stunt like that earlier, that he'll start executing apes himself. He says that he needs that wall, but Caesar again mentions food and water. Colonel says they'll get food and water once finished, then questions his position to ask questions. Caesar connects the uh, the dates. I'm sorry. Caesar connects the dots and says the men coming from the north aren't coming to fight. They're coming to fight, not join. Um. Okay, he says that they fear him, and Caesar asks if it's because he kills his own men. And the colonel is amazed at Caesar's intelligence here. Interfere with the work again, and I'll begin slaughtering the apes one by one. Understand? I need that wall. Apes need food and water. They'll get food and water when they finish their work. Give apes food and water. Or they cannot finish. You know, you're very emotional. What makes you think you're in a position to make demands? Okay. The soldiers who are coming here, they're not coming to join you, are they? I saw men outside on the wall preparing for battle. They told me you were smart, but that's impressive. No, they won't be joining me. They are against you. They fear me. Why? Because you kill your own men. We found bodies. Something wrong with these men. Jesus Christ, you are impressive. Well, you paint quite a picture what you must think of me. I think you have no mercy. Show me mercy. 
I showed you mercy when I spared your men. I offered you peace, and you killed my family. Mercy. Do you have any idea what your mercy would do to us? You're much stronger than we are. You're smart as hell. No matter what you say, you'd eventually replace us. That's the law of nature. The irony is we created you. We tried to defy nature, bend it to our will. Nature has been punishing us for our arrogance ever since. Caesar reminds him that he offered peace by sparing his men. Colonel lists the advantages the apes have over the humans. He then tells a story of sending his men along with his son 10 months ago uh, when suddenly uh, he and the man who is watching him uh, both couldn't speak. This is due to a theory mentioned that the uh, disease has evolved into a new strain, which prevented people from speaking whenever they came into contact with it. He then admits that he had to execute him along with the other infected, saying that purified him and made his purpose clear. Yeah, and this is it's it's where he's like he's like telling the stories like slowly slicing all pieces of fruit with his Bowie knife. Yeah, yeah. You know, Um, there there was a moment a little bit before that when when um, Rocket Maurice and Bad Ape are are kind of looking down on the camp. (laughs) It's it's one of my favorite moments. They hand the binoculars over to Bad Ape. He looks at him. He looks through him backwards. He's like, "Oh no!" He's like, "Oh no! Why ape so small?" But no, um, Woody Harrelson, man, uh, this film... He's playing Colonel uh, Kurtz, dude. I know, it's I know, fucking I know, Colonel Kurtz. But okay, whatever. But still, what he's doing, it, 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 it's... You don't see um, Gary Oldman, you know, trying to make something of his, of his role in the previous film as the, the main villain, quote-unquote, as the human. He's like the, the main human antagonist for Dawn. Right, and, right. You don't see him trying to be something like you know. It's I like Woody. I like how he's thought out and like his character is given an all around like thicker, juicier story, like backstory. You know, we get one with with Oldman in the former film, but um, here he's a villain, and we know that from from Jump Street. He's in well, his film he's, for the duration, and and he's a, he's a Good antagonist. I, I he's battle crazy. I, I wish the results were different. Yes, and that makes me wish the different. The ending was, you know, different. Not that the ending in the film, but we were given is necessarily bad. I just would have liked the direction that they went. I would. I wish we would have gotten this more of these two here. Essentially, is what I'm trying to get at. So, um. He he admit, he had to uh, execute him along with the other infected. Yeah, so he gave the order to to kill the others in order to avoid contact contacting it. Uh, whomever refused were also killed. People with kids deserted them into the woods, uh, being accused of being cowards, and then uh, severed their heads. He then gave out a, a message: those who want to relive, those who want to relieve him, were to come in person and do it there. 
Caesar asks how many are coming, and he's told all of them, but not to get any ideas because they hate apes more than they hate him. He apologizes for killing his son, but then says that if his destiny was to inherit his unholy kingdom, then he's glad he did it. This prompts Caesar to lash out in anger. Um, this scene in general, I want to make a note here, is the only time in this movie that we get any exposition dialogue. This is the only scene. And that's another reason I fucking love this movie. And it's great. I wish there was a better word for that that I can think of at the top of my head. Not great, but the, the writing here in this movie overall, it's 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 the best of the trilogy. Um it's really thought out. Um, you know, this and it's it's smart. It doesn't it doesn't treat it's you know the audience like they're idiots. This is the only time in the film that pretty much shit is told to you straight up. The rest of the film, you know, we as the audience put you know put the pieces together and and can pick up on things based on what we're given. You know, certain elements. Um, so yeah, kudos to that. Um, you know, I've mentioned it here on the show before many times. I'm not a fan of um, expiratory dialogue, so. Outside the camp, Maurice and the others are finding a way inside the camp to help, but uh, Bad Ape runs away and falls into a shaft before being rescued. So this shaft is going to be their savior. The apes are finally fed, and Caesar is thanked while still on the cross. Red ends up pouring a bucket of water on the Caesar that ends up freezing to him. Uh, meanwhile, the outsiders climb down into the shaft before uh, uh, to explore the underground tunnel that they just discovered. So they find a hole under the uh, the camp. Uh, <laughs> I love this shit. This this scene's so funny because we see Bad Ape kind of like poke his head up into the camp, and they're all like, "What? What is that?" Because no one's met Bad Ape before. He like pokes his head up, and everyone's like amazed to see him. And then right. he goes, and then he goes back into the hole as they like get closer to him, like he's an animal or something. And then he kind of like puts his hand out, like I just it's. It's like an adorable moment. I love this shit. Uh, yeah, he like sticks his head up like he's come out of a manhole almost. He's like, oh, and he oh. smiles at him. Yeah, right. and as they get closer, he goes back into the hole like he's a prairie dog. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, where am I at here? So, so meanwhile, the little girl ignores Bad Ape and walks into the camp. Uh, scratch that. This is a scene I have questions about. So she goes into this camp and 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 no one spots her. She just walks in free, middle of the camp. She's not doing any sort of hiding. She just walks right through the front gate and right directly over to Caesar without being stopped, questioned, anything. Um, kind of calling bullshit. Uh, so she walks into the camp. Meanwhile, a freezing Caesar has visions of Koba. That ends up being red, who cuts him down for the colonel, who says that he's still if he's still alive in the morning, then he's to go back to work or be shot. Then the girl, um, is it just me or does this little girl remind me of a young Amanda Seafried? Uh, I kind of thought that you know for a minute too. Yeah, I'll agree. Okay. I'll, I'll give you okay. that. It ain't just me. Okay, good. So she gives Caesar her rag doll water and food from the other apes cell as they begin to stand up for Caesar. She then signs apes strong to him as glimmer of hope 
before the sirens go off and the soldiers come out. Rocket calls out and approaches the camps as a distraction. The colonel meets him with Red and Red. Uh, as Red approaches him, Rocket fights him until the two tussle around. Um, and the two tussle around until the colonel fires off his gun and asks if there's uh, if there's others in the area. So this is when he orders his men to sweep the area and, and out Rocket and put Rocket in his cell, which Red does and then uh, beats him. So Rocket asks Caesar if he feels better and then signals apes together strong. Next morning, Colonel's. So at this point, it's just Maurice, the girl, and that ape who are still yeah. on the outside, right? Yeah. Yes. So next morning, Colonel's amazed to see Caesar still alive. He's sent to the quarry alone, but stops to take the ragdoll from his cage, asking how it got there before sending him to work. And that, that rat, this moment here is going to be his just kiss of death, essentially. At the quarry, Caesar signals to Maurice that it's 37 steps to the adult cage and 55 to the children's. So that's how they're understanding how far they are underneath in this tunnel that they found underneath. It's 37 steps and 55. Um, upon returning to his cage, Red warns Caesar that uh, the colonel is going to kill the other apes once their work is finished. And then underground in the tunnels, Maurice lets the little girl know how brave she is. She questions if she is too innate, yeah, to which Maurice replies she uh, she is before pulling out the Chevy Nova emblem from the bag and calling her Nova out loud. So bad ape then calls for them to see something and shows them the hole that he found after pacing 37 steps. We then see water begin to leak into the tunnel. Not good. Maurice gets down yeah. and makes bad ape check the hole again against his will. He yeah, pokes his like, head out. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're trying the to... Scene. Yeah, they're they're trying to d determine who's going to check it, and ultimately, Bad Eight realizes it's going to be him. He's like, "Oh, oh, 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 oh no, oh no, oh no, oh, oh, no. oh, oh no. okay." Yeah, it's like that that real sheepish, like whimpering yep. delivery that only Steve Zahn could bring. It was pretty cute. So he pokes his head out. He sees Rocket first. Rocket's happy to see him. Rocket shakes his hand as he introduces himself as Bad Eight before falling back down to the hole. Uh, we see that leak from earlier. It's getting worse and is now noticed by Maurice. So uh, the apes tell Caesar that they can't keep digging or else the whole tunnel is going to flood and uh, they won't be able to get to the children. So Caesar stresses that they must leave now before the other soldiers arrive. Uh, they ask how and we cut to a soldier on post gets shit thrown at him. Yeah, Literally, who flung shit. who? That's he gets pissed and goes inside after the ape who did it. And he pulls his rifle and asks the crowd who did it again. He is uh, he approaches Rocket and he gets more shit thrown at him. And then he's pulled into the hole and the keys get tossed out. So the apes are now on the move. Caesar and Rocket free the children. Caesar and Cornelius have a touching father-son reunion. The apes are seen climbing overhead across the power line and then drop down into the other ape's cell. And then we see everyone escape through the hole and out of the tunnel on the other side. But not Caesar. Him and Rocket are left. He looks up at the colonel's compound and orders Rocket to go alone, saying Maurice was right and that he is like Koba and can't shake off the hate that he has inside of him towards the colonel. All right, you must go.
Grace was right. I am my Cobra. He could not escape his hate. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the attack happens. We just see explosions start going off. Uh, rockets being launched into the sky. Uh, explosions. Caesar bypasses all the soldiers who are charging into the the battleground to get the sword to uh to get to uh the colonel, who's appeared uh, to be MIA in this moment. As a uh, we see a couple soldiers banging on his door, asking where the hell he is. Uh, preacher, that guy from earlier who got captive and was uh, was let go, he discovers the uh, empty apes cages as he's running out to battle. He stops to check out the empty cell where we cut back to more explosions during the great ape escape, as I call this sequence. The great ape escape. That's good. Uh, Caesar enters the girl's room to discover that he's been infected from the ragdoll he took from earlier. He's laying in bed. Uh, with a bloody mouth, gurgling, trying to make out words as Caesar slowly approaches him with a gun. Breathing heavily, Caesar eventually comes to his senses and puts the gun down. He yeah, but but, but he, I, he leaves I, it for the colonel. I, 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 love, I, I love the colonel's final words, man. What he, what, what he, what he able, what's he able to eke out? He goes, the horror. The yeah. horror. That's right, and that's right. If, if, if it weren't for that, there's also a moment of, uh, just a few minutes earlier in the film as they're going through the tunnels where you see the words Apocalypse Now spray painted yeah, yeah. on the walls, much, much like how in Coppola's original, like you don't even see the title of that film until two hours in, two and a half hours in when they finally get there at the bottom of the river to get to Colonel Kurtz's compound. And Apocalypse Now is spray painted on the side of the walls with, you know, all the severed fucking heads leading up the steps. Yep. Yeah. So like, yeah. So it's, you know, I remember the first time seeing this, like when he comes out and he's addressing, you know, he's shaving his head with the Bowie knife, you know, and he's addressing his troops and all. I'm like, man, I'm getting a real Colonel Kurtz vibe off of this dude. And mm -hmm. then the more the film played along, I'm like, holy shit, this film is heavily influenced by Apocalypse Now. And then by the, by Act Three, the broad strokes are on the wall. It says Apocalypse Now in the tunnel. You know, his last words are the horror, much like you know how Grand right. and it's it's just it's it's right there, man. And it's and again, it's probably why it's it's one of the reasons why it's my favorite film in the trilogy. So he intends to leave the gun for the colonel to do as he pleases. He stares at the defeated leader while backing out of the room. As we see the colonel take the gun to him, um, himself, points it into his face, and then the scene ends with the sound of a gunshot, but not from Caesar. So back at the war, the remaining soldiers are now firing at the apes. Caesar spots a leaking gas tank behind the squad, so he grabs a grenade belt as the soldiers bust in, narrowly escapes. Uh, yeah, he escapes on like a burning flag, doesn't he? Yeah, it's a cool ass scene. He jumps out of <laughs> the uh, the compound, the the the, the, the area where the curse comes out. Not curse, shit. Uh, the the colonel comes out, shaving his head in that scene. So it's yeah, yeah the, he, the he flags like, hanging down the balcony over the courtyard, and he's like, 
you know, it's like a half torn flag on fire and he just uses it as like a, mm-hmm. a rope to swing his way down. It's pretty badass. Yep. So or Red is ordered to get the grenade launcher for one of the soldiers. And as he's going for it, he notices Caesar running at them with the grenade intended to toss it at the leaking tank. When he's suddenly shot before he can get out of his hands by an arrow from fucking preacher of all people, the guy he let go scot free at the beginning has yep. now just come back full circle intending to finish him off. He's suddenly blown up by a rocket compliments of red before red himself is executed in front of Caesar by the guy he was uh, pulling or weaponry for the soldiers uh, shoot it. Uh, Caesar, but he's able to get that grenade and explode, throw it to the tanker, blowing it up, taking out the entire army, but setting off a much larger problem. The explosion uh, that Caesar, he, he runs like hell to avoid this explosion, but then we're about to find out that that sets off an avalanche. So with the other apes looking uh-huh. nearby in the woods, Caesar's caught in the middle of the other uh, soldiers. Uh, the other soldiers are entering the flaming base in celebration until he's yeah, they're, like all, they're all cheering like, you know, like ding dong, the witch is dead. And little do they know that the mountain's about to come caving in on them. <laughs> but I like this scene here. They're all chanting and cheering. And then like one by one, you see one guy slowly turn and notice Caesar. Because at this point, Caesar's no longer hiding. He's just standing in the back of the crowd like, fuck. So we see one guy sort of turn and notice Caesar, and then like the guy next to him, the guy next to him, the one by one starting to slowly turn and notice Caesar. And then by the point where they all notice him, it's when there's a rumble and a massive avalanche suddenly occurs. So that you got Caesar basically beelined to the, the wood, the trees that are up this hill. So he's kind of like running in the path of the avalanche because he knows he gets up in those trees that can it's got a lot better chance of surviving up those things than down there at the bottom of the the ditch because essentially this the colonel's base is like at the bottom of this like valley it's like in a yes, gully yeah yes, but I mean right. up in up in the trees with the manchichi you know what I mean because, so yeah the yeah. are gonna get up there a hell of a lot quicker than the humans will. Well, we see because we see this avalanche and just take out this army. When I say army, there's like hundreds of people, soldiers just celebrating and shit. And then they're all suddenly just done. Like this, this avalanche wipes them all out. Um, and he's just in Caesar himself. He's kind of like jumping from tree to tree to tree and kind of like riding it out. And then finally, he holds on for dear life as it passes. And then we get the, the shot of him looking out as the, the avalanche has passed over or passed by. He survived. He looks over at the trees to the other apes. They're all holding on themselves, surviving. They've all made it out together. Um, I person Personally, I'm questioning how the little girl made it out when... Uh, She's just a little girl, and Maurice. But you know, she would didn't didn't Maurice like throw her up on his back and they climb up her together? Yeah, come on, homie, that's a fucking avalanche. That they all like just blew right through them. They all have fur. It's easier for them to survive this than you know her. But I don't know. Yeah, but I like it's, I like to think not, I like to think if Maurice got her high enough, she would survive the avalanche. It's, it's not as much of a stretch as other things in this film that I've called out are. So yeah, 
The apes are then shown traveling to their new civilization. And as all the apes are looking around at the, their new home at the Colorado Plateau. Yeah, it's going to say it's like Pacific Northwest is what I'm is what I'm gathering off of it. It's, yeah? the, Col- it's the Colorado Plateau. Is oh, okay, so in Colorado. Okay, I got you. Caesar and Maurice uh, take a seat and silently take in their victory when Caesar suddenly slumps down and it's revealed that he's been mortally wounded. He tells Maurice not to worry that they are all home now. So he was shot essentially uh, during this before he managed to survive this avalanche and everything all being shot like he i guess he was shot during the escape is when this happened um, but yeah it's like it's, it's like, a, like a gut wound i think right yep yep <clears throat> that so, long slow death that is man he tells maurice not to worry that they are all home now apes are strong with or without him and this is, this is a scene i made note here like that scene with maurice and caesar man there's both joy and sorrow in that moment oh yeah absolutely and, and we're we're witnessing, you know, literally the interactions between a couple of binary characters. Like, there's the digital characters draw more emotion out of me than, than the physical actors doing this film. And it's something to be, it's a testament to be said about, you know, Circus and the rest of the mocap crew. But yeah, man, I mean, this, this film just pulls off its effects so well that it can pull on those heartstrings and kick you right in the feels with shit that wasn't really going on in front of the camera. And that's he a says, He says, apes are strong with or without him. The two watched bad ape playing with Cornelius and Nova when uh, Maurice tells Caesar that his son will know who was father, who his father was and what Caesar did for us. Um, Caesar takes one final look. And what he's finally accomplished as the film ends with Caesar dying as the camera beautifully pans up at the mountains and sky before cutting to black. And that has been our film effect coverage of the epic Caesar trilogy. All right, so how did we get here? New sketch. How did we get here? I led you here, sir. For I am Spartacus. After seeing this cut of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, 20th Century Fox and Sheridan Entertainment signed Matt Reeves to return as director for a third installment of the reboot series um, in January 20,000. 20, in January 2014, the studio announced the third film and Reeves um, as re- the returning director uh, and, and co-writer, along with Bombac and with Peter Sheridan, uh, Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver as the producers. Uh, then later on in that year, mid-November 2014 with MTV, Andy Serkis said that they did not know the next film setting. It could be five years after the event. It could be the night after the events of where we left Dawn. Don't know. In May 2015, the title was first given as War of the Planet of the Apes. And then October of that year, it was changed to War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Uh, um, when the director Reeves and screenwriter Bombach came on board to helm Dawn, the film already had a release date, which led uh, to an accelerated production schedule. However, with, with the third installment, Fox wanted to give the duo plenty of time to write and make the film. Taking advantage of this, the two bonded with each other more than before. Um, so then... They, they, they tease the, the story. We all know it's going to be the big blowout war uh, for years. Toby, uh, Toby Cabell, who was uh, 
Koba and Dawn. He expressed interest in returning or reprising his role. Uh, they planned to include him in a larger role because if you stayed to the end of the credits of Dawn, you can hear him breathing still, showing yeah. teasing he was still alive. Right. Uh, but that didn't come to be. They wanted to <clears> center <throat> the focus on uh, the, uh, the human uh, protagonist or a human antagonist. Sorry. Um, so yeah, filming started in October 2015 in Vancouver, British Columbia, under the working title Hidden Fortress. Uh, filming took place there until early May 2016. Uh, and then yeah, so early. So this film was actually the filming had wrapped over a year before the film came out because it came out in July 2017. So filming wrapped in March 2016. I guess that makes sense because of all the, the effects they got to do or go through. Especially here, it says in March of 2015, Andy Circus confirmed, or 2016, sorry, Andy Circus confirmed that he had finished shooting his portions of the film. And yeah, that's how we got this film. So let's take a look at the box office receipts. In the operational funds box, we will deposit 250,000 American dollars. You take it out. We put more in. I want receipts. Let's see. Uh, what kind of money this film brought in. So, War for the Planet of the Apes was released. Actually, it premiered on July 10th, 2014 at the SVA Theater in Manhattan, New York, before being released on July 14th, 2014 from 20th Century Fox. I'm sorry, that's not 2014. I'm at 20... Not 2014, sorry guys, 2017. I was going to say, I think it was Haddle. Yeah, I was thinking. Not that that's Dawn. old, but I thought that's no, actually when I, 10 years ago. When I wrote the when I wrote down the notes, because I always handwrite these notes, it was actually I I had Dawn in my head still. So okay. it, it, it premiered July 10th, 2016 or 17, and it was released on July 14th, 2017, from 20th Century Fox. It opened up across 4,022 screens. Opening up at number one, bringing in $56.2 million, which is lower than Dawn's opening weekend. Second weekend, though, it brought in $20.8, uh, coming in at number four, suffering a 62.9% drop. That's pretty severe. It sucks. Overall, all in all, it ended up grossing $490 million. Sorry, $490 million across over... Uh, Against the budget of 150 million. So 490 and the budget was 150. Yes, this was a success at the box office. Uh, not the success that Dawn was, unfortunately, but still a, a success. My take I think poor word of mouth got out. I think the film opened up strong and then people were talking about it. And yeah, people liked this. People loved this movie. They thought it was this and that. But I think. Overall, the general consensus was uh, just this is not the war. This film is advertising itself to be, you know, to, to, don't go into this expecting like this big like Avengers Endgame-esque end sequence across the whole the final 45 minutes because you're not going to get that. You know, the biggest action piece you get in this movie doesn't even involve humans and apes. It involves an ape and an avalanche. <laughs> so... That doesn't take from the film overall, personally, for me. I mean, speaking again, personally, um, I, I love this film. 
it's not my favorite, but it's pretty damn close. It's mine. Well, but I, you know, I, I, I like a, you know, I like a different type of film too. I mean, I'd, right. I mean, I'd, 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 obviously, I'm, I'm swayed by the whole apocalypse now thing, which, and, and that still gears my favor simply because I had no clue going in that it leaned heavily into that for influences. And then I, I kind of felt like I was in on the joke on my first viewing when I was watching it and I first saw like Harrelson actually fleshing out the, uh, the Colonel character in the compound. I'm like, man, he's giving me some solid, you know, young Brando vibes. And then as it progressed, I'm like, holy shit, me and Matt Reeves are on the same fucking wavelength. I dig what you're doing. I'm picking up what you're putting down. You know what I mean? But I also, I like how it, kind of pulled that swerve and it's war for the planet of the apes because i mean it ultimately becomes the planet of the apes the uh, at some point chuck hessen's got to crash land the icarus back onto this terra firma <laughs> in a couple of decades to give us what we what we know and love from 60 damn years ago you know all right, all right quick score Take a walk to see what they had to say. So, War for the Planet of the Apes currently has a Rotten Tomato score of 94%. That is Good. based on 355 reviews. Right on. Uh, the consensus of the website says War for the Planet of the Apes combines breathtaking special effects and a powerful, uh, poignant narrative to include this rebooted trilogy on a powerful and truly blockbuster note. It currently has a Metacritic score of 82 out of 100 based on 50 reviews and a cinema score of A-. Word for the Planet of the Apes uh, received praise for the cast performances, especially uh, Andy Serkis. A IGN review gave the film a score of 99.5 out of 10, saying that Word for the Planet of the Apes is an excellent closing act to this rebooted trilogy, but also one that does enough world building that the series can potentially continue from here. And it's a rare case where after three movies we're left wanting more, the New York you know, times said of the film, uh, it is the grimmiest, grimmiest episode so far. And also the strongest, a superb example rare in this era of sloppily constructed commercially hedged cinematic cinematic universes of clear thinking wedded to inventive technique in popular filmmaking. They also said that any circus's performance in the film uh, is one of the marvels of modern screen acting. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone gave the film three and a half out of four stars and said that circus performed with a uh, resonant power and depth of feeling what's that's nearly Shakespearean Oscar get busy. Circus deserves the gold and went on to say that war for the Planet of the Apes, number nine in Simeon, Sin in Sin in Simeon Cinema Canon is the best of the Apes films since the 1968 original. Yeah, me and Pete Travers on the same fucking page. Uh, let's see here. Some quick reviews. IndieWire gave it a B plus. And yeah, 
Biggest takeaways. Mr. Madison, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Um, I, honestly, uh, I, I, I'm going to base this on the, on, on the overall the arc of the trilogy rather than just this one film if you will um because this film you know caps it off yes this we, we all know this is my this is my favorite of the three but little did i know i was literally laughing at you and laughing at everything you know 10 years ago and they're like oh rise of the planet of apes i'm like jesus christ i watched tim burton try to do this this is gonna shit the fucking bed and boy if i didn't eat my fucking words throughout six hours of cinematic runtime yeah how them words taste boy it's i know they 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 they, 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 they you know they taste like cinnamon flavored bullshit man like i had to you know I, I i had to swallow my pride drag my feet and accept my druthers you know and these work as a whole the only reason it didn't make my top five is because we were already talking about you know the whole thing so i want to include some other trilogies that, that you know i felt needed some light shed but this is yeah man i mean in my opinion during a bad bitch in a bunch it's it's a very very rewarding trilogy that i that i'm of the opinion continues to get better with each chapter and that's a that's a fucking damn rare thing these days all right so my notes here i have um several obviously i can't believe a remake of the planet of the apes series is bringing me to tears this mm -hmm. movie is that good yeah uh, i wrote i could have used a little more uh colonel caesar to make up uh for the underwhelming final confrontation uh it's true we do get a lot of caesar i mean we do get a lot of the colonel and caesar in this movie but if we're not going to get that final moment of the two like the big fight that this film kind of like builds up that that we don't it just builds up to something that we don't um, uh, we don't get yeah and, and that was and honestly that was gonna be my I'm sorry, man. That was going to be my mulligan. It was like, yeah, I, I kind of wanted that, but then, you know, well, let, let it be. We're not there yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, if that's going to be the mulligan movement, then wait, wait till we get the mulligan. I'm movement. sorry. sorry. <laughs> I don't know what you, I don't know what you're skipping, what you're not on this episode, dude. We've been bouncing around with the format so much lately. No skipping on this one. So, um, uh, so we do get. You know, I feel like this film builds up to something that we don't get, but I don't feel like we're necessarily robbed of something because the 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 whole experience from A to B is you know what the film's about. Really, it's not about that final conflict, that final confrontation. You know, there's no, there is a big, you know, final boss, but you don't get that big final boss moment that you would get in like a Mega Man game or something. You know what I'm getting at? Am I, am I, am I, I'm kind of getting off track by bringing up video games, but I think no, I, no, no. I think I'm not on track no. with the. No, no, but I, I, 
but uh, but I think I, I think what the, the reason you may feel that way is because we were never we were never promised outside of the title we were never promised that to begin with it's war for the planet of the apes so in our minds we're thinking war okay there's helicopters there's tanks there's howitzers there's explosions gonna be this all-out fucking simian versus human fucking mm -hmm. battle and mm -hmm. it's more it's it's more quiet it's more underlined it's more you know the, like i said man's inhumanity against man is 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 what they're depicting here gotcha. you know and i mean let's face it by the time you know harrelson's colonel takes over this you know this northern california you know armory i mean we're what probably 10 years you know removed from the simian flu at this point they've had a decade you know to restructure readapt and this guy just got 15 fucking years made. okay 15. Yeah. so here we are almost two decades so there's going to be some zealots out there they're going to do that type of shit, right. you know and um yeah i mean it's yes it was it, it's it, it's a war but it's it's more so on like a spiritual sense because mm -hmm. your apes have been your protagonist the entire time this time around for all three films and they're the ones with open open eyes open hearts and sympathy trying to convince the humans to come around sometimes via you know force and and you know and violence which is it really sheds a light like there's i think i think that's something that doesn't get talked about with this trilogy is that it's shedding that that um that light on you know what maybe man is not the end all fucking be all we need to we need to we need to get aside from ourselves and what if man he just, man, he just wrote me a great fucking note what if nova was that fucking cure like what if she was born with that simian flu we don't know you know like there's there there's a there, there there's a question i never posited what if what if nova had had existed for these last nine years like she was spat out the womb with this simian flu who knows yeah, maybe she's like the alien she, last of us but if she was yeah, born with like, it she's got the but if she was born with it then when she's introduced and at that scene with her maurice she's trying to talk if she's born with it, then why would she try when she knows, it, you know, you know what I mean? Well, she's, she, she's seen other grown humans attempt to talk. You know, I would try to talk too, you know, so that's, that's something that's kind of left a little vague. And I never, ever even really thought about it till the old lady just handed me this note a minute ago. It says, what if Nova was the cure? And that, that's maybe that was never an intention, but that's definitely an interesting, you know, train of thought. Like maybe because what, 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 let's say you just said we're now 15 years deep into the simian flu. Nova I think we are. I don't, I don't know for sure. It's okay. Are. So, but either way, Nova was probably born during the simian flu. Well, you know yeah. what I mean? She's, she's young enough to where she doesn't know anything but this type of world. So maybe she's like, you know, the Ellie from Last of Us where she's got the antibodies in her system, but we'll never fucking know. Because they were too worried about fighting each other. Because they, because, because man was too worried about being, having the upper hand. 
you know, man was too worried about being the dominant species, not only on the planet, but in the fucking universe. Some, and, and, and what these movies tell us is we need to get out of our fucking, we are our own fucking way. Cause if we don't, eventually nature's going to start taking shit back. And the last thing you want is a fucking chimpanzee with 10 times your body strength coming at you with blood and vengeance in his eyes. You know what I mean? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah, so you're kind of going in and out with me right now. So, but anyway, all right, let's move on. Um, best score of the series, which I mentioned before, uh, Michael Giacchino, uh, Michael uh, Giacchino, Michael Giacchino is a very underrated composer. Uh, he's the guy currently scoring all the Superman and Jurassic Park films, but um, he's a name that you're never going to hear brought up too much and that's a crying fucking shame and then my last note is it's a very fitting ending to the ultimate trilogy this trilogy as a whole is as close to as perfect as uh you're gonna get and it's been a real pleasure doing these films uh over the last few well not so much weeks i guess we told us we talked about this it's been months now when did we when did we do rise was it two months ago one month ago uh yeah yeah we had every intention like we had the, over the, the last day. few whatever it's been a pleasure so yeah yeah we were originally gonna cram them out all in the course of a month but you know life rears its ugly head and uh, we had other shit we had to tend to and then other episodes came up but you know we made it damn sure to cover the whole trilogy on the show all so. right all right mulligan moment if you had to do it all over again would you make the same choices? Final confrontation needed more. It, I'd at least give them a, a final fight, even if it ends with <clears throat> the colonel killing. Fucking stop that, dude! I'm being serious. I hate when you do that. Do not. It's, I, I don't even. It's it's just I I take a breath and it stop. happens. Dude. Well, mm, I I just hate it. So, final confrontation <laughs> needs more. Like I'd at least give them a final fight, even if it ends with the colonel killing himself, like in the the movie um other than that you know I, i've mentioned some things here and there throughout the episode that you know just rubbed me the wrong way uh i wasn't on on wasn't game with or, or didn't agree with but overall all in all i mean this is a solid four and a half out of five stars for me and uh if i could change one thing it would be definitely that like i would tweak up the uh that final confrontation between the uh the colonel and caesar because uh, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, I there's. I feel like we were kind of robbed of a moment in, in a sense. So yeah, but I mean, will you have it be a violent showdown? Because I feel the same way. Like it's, I like I where know. it went. It was more of a. It was. It was. It was more of a quiet, introspective moment, and Caesar was more of. Um, honestly, Caesar was the more empathetic, sympathetic, and human of the two characters by this point. Because Colonel had been so, you know, consumed with rage and hatred towards the simians, whereas Caesar still had his wits about him. He's like, um, there's no saving you. I'm just going to walk away because I've got my own species to take care of. Um, I would have liked a little bit more interaction between them because we only get outside of the courtyard. There's really only those other two scenes in the, um, you know, in, 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 in the Colonel's bedroom if you will yeah you know so i did you know may, maybe woody harrelson just didn't want to act against you know andy circus and a bunch of ping pong balls who knows he's you know he was your a-list star at that time so. all right 
finger licking good. Finger licking good. Um. Mm. I'm 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 gonna say anything with bad ape, dude. I just fucking just something about him. Is aside from the fact it's my boy Steve's on. It's just you know he brings the levity that he's supposed to, and he you know he he kind of releases the tension, and you know he's so adorable. You want him to survive, and he does. I wish he had more to do in the film, but what they give him, you know, he accomplishes. I just, I just, I just like Bad Ape. I would love to see a Bad Ape spinoff, just like seeing you know a, a, a little side project of of him surviving on his own. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think that would be cool. All right. Um, yeah, for me, it's it's just the, the entire third act is just spectacular. So that's yeah, my guys. favorite. Absolutely. Um, all right. This episode is sponsored by Unity. Think about that one. And all that being said, this film definitely gets the film effects of approval. And that will bring things home for this edition of the show. One now, many more to follow. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to continue to support the show, then please do so by leaving a five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever accessible. Helps with the algorithm and helps us grow so more people can check us out. Not to mention, we got that giveaway going on, guys. Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. You're eligible. October 21st, I'm pulling a winner. Could be you. Who knows? Um... Am I allowed to enter? No. So drop us a comment. <laughs> throw in a review. Feedback is always, 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 always appreciated. And that will bring things home for this listen of the show. Like I said, um, we'll be back later on this week. Super bad. Next week, we've got another three, three episode week coming up. We have Halloween's one and two from Rob Zombie. We have Episode number 50, covering Last Action Hero. And then next Friday is the official start to the Halloween Horathon. Bringing back, coming back to Laurie Strodeville, Halloween 2018. <laughs> um, yeah, same film effect place, same film effect time. And until then, take us out. All right, gang. We're going to see you all again when those see the lights go dim. The opening credits begin to roll. Uh, it's been another episode of the Film Effect Podcast from myself and Sean. Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your days. And until next time, it has been fun, but now it is done. Sign off. Check you later. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>